Good morning. Uh, today's daf is daf Yud Ches, 18A, Chav uh, Ches Adar, March 24th. The Shabbos, the learning is Leila Nishmas, Harad Yitzvah Tzvi Ben Chaim Yosef. The Shabbos should have an aliyah from our learning here at the virtual Shtibol. Uh, says the Gemara, so we just had a new Mishnah, brand new Mishnah, which ended off on Yud Ches of Alf on the top of 18a. And one of the items that the Mishnah discussed is how do we view Malacha that was performed? How do we view activity that was performed before Shabbos? However, your actions before Shabbos will create a continuance on Shabbos of the Malacha, whether it's through you or through the hands of a guy. And that was one of the areas where Bishama and Basil had a dispute, as Bishamai required that you had a sufficient time left for the day on Friday for your items to be processed through a Malacha. And Basil said that as long as you're not doing any action, then we don't care about what happens on Shabbos. So, for example, we said uh, leaving ink ingredients in, so- in water. Uh, you put uh, these, whatever they used to make, these inks and these dyes in, in water to soak. And automatically through the soaking process, the water would, the, the color would come out into the water and create a dye whether that had to happen before Shabbos, or even if you knew that it was inevitable that that would happen on Shabbos, we didn't care and that were permitted. It was one of the disputes in the mission of the Shammai and Basila. Says the Gemara, Mantan in the Sinasmayim who is the author of this Mishnah that says, you didn't do anything. You just took these uh, plants or whatever the item was, and you left it to soak in water. And that's considered a malacha, according to Beishamai, that you would need to do it, that there was enough time for the ink to already form before Shabbos. Now, the malacha that, you're, that we're saying that you're doing is really a malacha of gibble, of, of kneading. But need when you knead a dough, the dough doesn't the water and the flour don't become dough on their own. You have to knead them together and then they become flour. Whereas here with this ink, you're just putting the items into water and letting it soak. Mantan and the says the Gemara four lines down on Yud Chesam and Alf 18a. Uh, that just by placing it in, that is considered. And I, we have actually, and now in my Gemara it says Shriyasan, which means soaking. But really, the malacha that we're, um, the malacha that we're concerned about is lisha, is needed. If you have two fellows who decide they're going on, on Shabbos, they're going to make dough together. 
and each one pours into the bowl a different ingredient. One pours in the water and one pours in the flour. So technically, you have a question here. Neither one on his own made dough on Shabbos since they only did half the work. So who should be liable here? Says the Gemara, according to the first opinion, whichever one came second. So if you see this flour in a bowl and you pour in water, then then you're like considered the one who did the malacha, not the first guy, or vice versa. That's according to Rebbe. That's according to Rebbe. Rebbe Yaisi, however, requires that even though I saw, let's say, flour in a bowl, and I poured water into that bowl on Shabbos. So clearly I know that I'm doing a malacha. Clearly I know that I'm doing a malacha. Yet I will still be uh, potter on, oh, until somebody actually needs it with their hands, until somebody does more to it. So the Kiddush of Rabbi Yaisi is not what we're it, it, it means that even if you created dough till you actually need it, when you mix flour and water, some dough will automatically form, right? Even without any kneading. But till somebody actually physically with their hands makes it into a mixture, not just pouring them together, you are not going to be chayev. But according to Rebbe, according to the first opinion in that brisa, the one who pours in, whether it's flour or water, whoever pours in the second ingredient into the mixing bowl will automatically be chayev uh, on Shabbos for mixing. And the same thing with our Mishnah. Just by putting ink or water, water or these ingredients that they used, whether it was a plant to make ink, just by putting it together and knowing that it's going to soak and automatically form some sort of ink or dye, you're chayev. Maybe that homach like it is that we said that whoever puts in flour or water second into a bowl on Shabbos will be chayev is only talking about flour because flour is capable of kneading. Perhaps you'll tell me that the uh, that uh, ink, which is not really, you don't need it, but rather it's, uh, it, you don't need it, but you um, soak it. So there's a, never a prohibition, even according to Rebbe, uh, 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 even according to Rebbe Yaisi, you should be chayev right away because there's no further process necessary. Um, uh, um, uh, don't think in that way. So the Gemara tried to say that perhaps the only leniency that Rabbi Yaisen said was by actual flour and water where you do require kneading to make it into a proper dough. But something which just requires soaking, which we consider like you already needed it and it should be chayev right away, don't think in that thought stream. In a case where you have ashes and somebody mixed 
ashes with water, we also find we find that they have the same argument. So if they're arguing by uh, by ashes, now ashes is something which is like ink that you do not require any real further physical action once you put them together in water for the water to take on the property of the ash. However, and we still see that Rebiasi argues, says the Gemara, the Dilma, my Afer, Afer, the Bar maybe that Brisa is actually talking not about Afer, about ashes, but about soil, which is dirt. Dirt, if you mix dirt and water, uh, you know, uh, well, not dirt and water, soil and water, you get dirt. So, and that is, you can mix it. Just like if you have sand, also can be mixed. And that's why they're arguing. But if it would be something like ash, real ash, and or ink, where there's no possibility of kneading it together, it's maybe you will tell me that there's no dispute between Rabbi Yaisi and Rabbi, says the Gemara, the fact that we have two separate prices, one of Afer and one of Afer, tells me that when we said in the Machlekes of Rebbe and Rabbi Yaisi that we're talking about uh, ashes, we were talking about clearly uh, ashes and not dirt, that Rabbi Yaisi argues as well in a case of in a case of ashes, which is similar to ink, and still, it's only Rebbe's opinion that you are chayev just for putting the two together. But according to Rebbe Yaisi of that brisa, ink would be some uh, uh, even uh, only according to Rebbe. And even by ink, Rebbe would not be stringent and would still say that you are actually potter until you do more. But according to Rebbe, just by placing ink or ash together in, uh, in a bowl with water, you're considered like you've done a form of kneading, of mixing, which is forbidden on Shabbos, and therefore you must give sufficient time for the ink to form off whatever materials, whatever plants or dyes that you put into the water before Shabbos, that it should already become colored, the water should already gain the properties of that substance before, with sufficient time before Shabbos, or it shouldn't happen on Shabbos according to Beis Shammai. And according to Beis Hillel, it would be permissible because your actions uh, ended before Shabbos began. That is the first Gemara on this mission. Says the Gemara. Uh, about 15 lines down on Yudches Amad Aleph, 18.8. Tan Rabbanan, we were taught in a brisa. Poiskin mayim leginer of Shabbos and Chashecha. Mesmalas vayleches kalayim kulayim. Menichem mug metachas akelem of Shabbos. Merina v'halchim kalayim kulayim. Menichem gafres tachas akelem. So just let's go through all these cases one by one. 
the Brisa is going to list for us, the Brisa is listing for us a bunch of items that, in fact, you're allowed to do uh, Friday, even though the effects will continue on to sh- into shops. So, Poiskin Mayim Lagina, again, Tanrabanon, Poiskin Mayim Lagina, Erev Shabbos and Kashecha, you're allowed to open up some sort of irrigation canal next to your fields um, in order for your the water that's to come from a spring or a brook onto your fields on Shabbos, even though, let's say, the water won't start flowing for another little while. Right before Shabbos, you open up a path for this water to come into your garden. It's permitted since your actions took place before Shabbos. And the whole Shabbos, your garden will be uh, supplied with water, but that's okay. They used to have to, I guess part of the laundering process was they used to put uh, incense, some sort of spices, into the, the uh, underneath the clothing, and that would give a pleasant smell to the clothing, and they would put these uh, pleasant smelling items underneath the, uh, on the coals underneath the clothing, so that it should uh, create the smell. So as long as you did it before Shabbos, even though the smell will be created while the fire is still going on Shabbos, it would be perfectly permissible. Another another example would be putting gufres, sulfur. Uh, Rashi says that silverware required sulfur inside the inside the fire in order to make uh, the designs and you can put the uh, you can put the sulfur beneath the sil- the silver kalim Arab Shabbos even though the designs would form on Shabbos that would be okay that would not be considered a problem says the Gemara Last one is Agabe Amaka. Two more examples. Was you're allowed to put Kilor, Agabe Ha'ayin. Kilor is a eye, some t- sort of eyeliners um, that was actually like, I think it was a medicine. Um, and uh, it, was, it was some sort of eye, eye drops, something that healed the eye. The effects only took place on Shabbos. However, uh, However, the uh, you, your actions finish before Shabbos. And Asplanus, Agave Maka, Asplanus as well was a bandage, but the bandage contained creams and healing elements to it. And they would heal the person all Shabbos long, even though you started it, even though you started it, Arab uh, Shabbos, and the effect would only be on Shabbos, still it's permissible because your actions finished before Shabbos began. However, what can you not do according to this Brisa? Avol, finally we're getting a Chumrah for those who've been waiting. 
So what is it forbidden according to this b'risa? Which actions that you do before Shabbos, however, the effect of the actions continues on Shabbos, will we say is prohibited? Just like in our Mishnah, we had cases which were prohibited. If you ha- they used to ha- make flour by having these water mills, maybe perhaps you've seen one, especially in uh, if you go near Muncie, New York, in Bergen County, you have or Westchester, you have some old homes on water where you can still see the waterfall. By uh, used to go Cholmoy trips; those are the good trips. These historic homes, and they still had these water mills where you can actually see what it means to put kernels into a the grinding stone and the water would drive the mill would drive the stone to grind it up that we said you were not allowed to put flour a uh, wheat into the grinding stone of the, that's driven by water uh, unless it would have enough time to grind it up during the day my timer that's not because of the process of the kneading, of the grinding, of the toichen that will happen on Shabbos, which would be one of the 39 malachas, but rather This is actually almost like our first case of a real Hilchas Shabbos where it's not a clear-cut malacha. We're answering it up, but the reason why we're forbidding it is not because of the malacha, because it makes noise. And Hashmas Kail, things which make noise on Shabbos have their own restrictions, according to Rabbah. Um, so it's it, uh, what's the malacha of Hashmas Kail? It almost seems like either the halacha is because of like a Marasayan type of thing that people will uh, think that you're grinding on Shabbos. Or the fact is that you're running your grinding stone on Shabbos does not uh, does not bode well for the honor of Shabbos. Uh, Rashi says the ikazilusa. There's a cheapening of Shabbos that Shabbos also we can carry out such activities. So there's a zilusa the Shabbos. There's a cheapening of Shabbos. Amalei Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yosef said to Rabba, Why don't you go hardcore over here? Why do you have to take such a, come up with such a Easter and say the only restriction of doing so, of placing items to grind Erev Shabbos before it gets dark, is that, and the, knowing that your mill will be running on Shabbos, is because of the lack of respect for Shabbos. It's because actually of a Isidur Raisa, of Shavis's Kalim, just like we're commanded to rest on Shabbos, we're commanded to make our vessels also rest on Shabbos. The Tanya, as we learned in Ebrisa, I see the Maser Sasha says it's a Mechilta in Parshas Mishpatim. I don't know how often we quote a Mechilta as a Ebrisa, as a but here we do. The Pasuk in Shemai says everything I told you to guard. Tishameru. You shall do so. V'shem Eloi. Rashi says the Gemara says the Rabbi What does that mean? All that I have spoken to you, you shall guard. Not just about you, but even about your your dishes and your vessels. 
the Rabbah Shvisus Kalim said the reason why you're not allowed to do an act of placing items to be ground up on Shabbos is not because of a Gzerid Rabbanon of Hashmas Kail, but rather because of a Pasuk Midaraisa, because it states explicitly in the Pasuk in extra words to include guarding items which are not just you, but even your vessels. Now, is that a Daraisa? Or is that just uh, is the fact that it's a drusha and it's not, uh, it's not extremely explicit? It's somewhat explicit, as we'll see, that it is really an extra pasuk to tell you, not just you, but also your animals and your dishes. So I'm not sure if the Gemara means to say that it's a deraisa or not. Um, I see Tysus deals with that a little bit. Um, Elamar says the Gemara. Elamar Rabbi Yosef Mishum Shvises Kelim. The Gemara says you're right. Rabbi Yosef argues with Rabbah and says the reason why you can't leave things to grind on Shabbos is because you're not allowed to run your grinder on Shabbos. The hash the Amrit Rabbeis Hillel Islu Shvises Kelim Deraisa. So now says the Gemara. Let's assume at this point that you have a pasuk like you just stated according to Rabbi Yosef. And if that's true, then what's Beis Hillel going to hold by placing items in a mill? That it's an Isidar Raisa, Gofris, Umugmar, earlier cases we cited of placing uh, incense underneath the clothing, which is what they used to do. And the scent of the incense would come out on Shabbos, as well as the Gofris, they would place sulfur underneath the silver to create a shape to create a design. And we said that that's uh, permissible. Why then would it be permissible? Aren't you also forbidden from, uh, aren't you forbidden from doing a malacha, even not with yourself, but with your vessels and your dishes? At this point, we assume that how, whatever process you're doing with the sulfur or with the incense, those would be the same as a mill that would be forbidden to operate on Shabbos, even if you're not doing any action. Says the Gemara, because over there, you nothing's happening on Shabbos. You're not doing anything. And even... Uh, even your, there's nothing moving in your dishes. You have a fire and you have some smoking incense or sulfur, which is uh, placed there. But there's no real activity. Whereas the mill, there's a mill which rotates, it moves, and that's considered the action in action. Rashi explains the second wide line down on the right-hand margin. Loika avid hakli shum maisa all you did was leave spices or sulfur on the ground by the fire. of the mice, the grindstones, since they're moving, that's considered an action. And Beishamai, according to this explanation of the dispute in the Mishnah, Beishamai forbids it because he holds that even if you don't see the sulfur moving or you, you don't see the incense moving, Ultimately, they are creating a smell or a shape in the silver, and therefore it has to be compared to a grindstone where there is a misa, there is an action. Says the Gemara, Oinin shall pishtan my time of sharu. 
We said in the Mishnah that you're allowed to take leaves of flax and put them in the oven on before Shabbos to dry out. My time is Why is that permissible? Shomdulay oven Misa. Says Gemara again, because you don't have any action that's happening. Even though there is a change taking place in the flax, in these, they are becoming, they're getting dried out on Shabbos, but ultimately there's no, it's, it's just lying there and the moisture is disappearing on its own. There's no movement. Says the Gemara, Now we got you. Traps, obviously, in order to hold an animal in, have to close, right? They have to snap shut. They have to perform some activity in order to be effective. So how could you tell me that Ms. Hill said it's permissible to leave them out Friday afternoon since there's going to be a malacha performed with your vessels, with your traps, when the animal walks in, they're going to snap shut. And that's considered comparable to a mill which grinds. There's a real action going on over there. As a Gemara, Asam Nami, waited allowed in the Mishnah, with fishing uh, nets and fishing lines. This is kind of like a cop out. You know, we said hunting, and we said trapping in the Mishnah. Trapping is, is, is referring to animals. So, as a Mishnah, we're in fact, we're talking about a fish hook and a fish net, the loika oven maisa. The animal just, once it comes into the net, it's stuck there by itself. It doesn't need a close. And similarly, once a fish swallows the bait or tries to eat the bait and the hook gets stuck on the fish, so the hook didn't perform any action, the fish did, uh, especially before you owned it. Uh, says, therefore, Basil says it's permissive. Says the Gemara, Bahashta. If you tell me that according to, only according to Beishamai, according to this Rav Aishiyah said in the name of Ravasi, that only Beishamai learns that he says, Kalim, not allowing your vessels to perform any activity for you is only a Daraisa, according to Beishamai, but according to Beishilal, it would be mutter midaraisa lebeshamay ben kavin ma'is ben gula kavin ma'is aser lebeshilal afagav the kavin ma'is shari. So midaraisa, at least there should be no difference between whether your dishes are doing an act or not doing an act. According to beshamay, it's all forbidden, and according to beshilal, it's all permitted. And if that's true, the hash the amr to beshamay. Now you're telling me according to Bishamai, even if there was no real action like a grindstone, but it's a clear-cut thing. Bishamai holds Midaraisa. There's no, you do not allow any processes which are forbidden for you to do yourself, cannot be performed by your, automatically by your vessels. On Shabbos, so, and Basila holds that Midaraisa, it's all permissible. But there's no difference between whether you're doing an action or not. Ihachi says the last two words on the Ahmed, if that is so, according to Bishamai, my time Why did we allow according to Bishamai, why did he permit uh, sulfur and and 
incense? Why did he not argue over there as well? So according to the Brysa that we had, according to our Mishnah, our Mishnah did not mention these two items. Our Mishnah did mention ink. We mentioned Pishtan. We mentioned many uh, and traps and putting out wool, but uh, we did not. Uh, and we talked about hides going to a, to a tanner and clothing going to the laundry. But in terms of in, uh, in terms of sulfur and sulfur and incense under the clothing, that was a dispute in a brisa later on between Rev between Rebbe and Rebbe Yaisi. But we don't find anywhere that uh, sorry, not Rebbe and Rebbe. This is in a brisa later on. And we don't find anywhere where Bishamai disputes that opinion in the Brisa that it's permissible. But according to Bishamai, it should be considered like your vessels. Let's say the incense, you put some sort of uh, perfume underneath the clothing on the fire. That should be considered your action, according to Bishamai, since it's your kalim, it's your vessels that are doing the action, even though you're not doing anything. Says the Gemara, the top line of Yud Chesamidez of 18b, Hasa Monach Aara. Gigas Hasa Manach Aara over there, you didn't actually own any uh, vessels. All you did was you placed the spices or the incense that was used to perfume the clothing on the fire itself or on the floor underneath it. And therefore, there's no vessel of yours that's doing any work on Shabbos. You don't own it, so to speak. It's, it is yours but it's not considered in your dishes. Since you're just putting uh, incense or sulfur on the ground, therefore it's a loophole that Bishamai would say you can do that even Erev Shabbos, even though the smell will be transferred or the sulfur will be transferred to the silver on Shabbos. Says the Gemara, what about other cases? Gigas veneru kadeira ushpud. If you have a gig, what's a gig, a gigas? A gigas, uh, Rashi says, the second line on the left-hand margin, It's a vat which they use to make beer. So it's one of these big distilling vats for beer. And the, the barley stays in there for eight days, including Shabbos. So it's a minimum of eight days in the Gemara's times to make beer you have to leave the, I think they call them the hops. Uh, you have to leave it in the, in the uh, distiller for a minimum of eight days. It's inevitable that when you make beer, your kalim are going to be producing it over a Shabbos because seven, every seventh day is the Shabbos and requires a minimum of eight days. And therefore, we should, according to Be'i Shammai, we should forbid it. What about uh, a fire, uh, barbecue, roasting, spit, all these things are your actions, uh, lamp, the fire is happening on Shabbos, the cooking is happening on Shabbos. Why, according to Bishama, are you allowed to do anything? Now, the Gemara here is really going into a little bit dangerous territory because we know from other, from our life experience that the heretics, the kutim, the, the tzedukim, they would interpret uh, 
do not make a fire in anywhere in your house to mean do not allow a fire to burn in your house or over Shabbos. And that is in fact why we eat chalant on Shabbos, especially Shabbos morning, to eat something hot. Some people just have a tea, but we're supposed to eat something hot in order to show that we interpret the Pasuk according to the Gemara's interpretation, that these items, it is permissible to leave a fire going as long as you're not creating the fire. Whereas the tzedokim, the heretics who only accepted uh, written law, not the oral interpretation, which is the Gemara, learned that no, it means you can't have any fire going on in your house. So the Gemara is almost asking at this point that Beishamai, who is very stringent when it comes to not allowing your kalim, your dishes, to create a fire, he has a problem. How does he allow any fire to go in your house, being that it requires some form of uh, vessel to contain it? Says the Gemara, my time is Shor third line down back in the Gemara. It's only permitted in the case where you didn't, you're mafkir the kalim, where you declare the kalim ownerless, that it's not yours. Now that's a very big chiddush that Beshamai would learn, in fact, that you can have a fire going in your house as long as you don't own the dishes, uh, which is a big chiddush. Says the Gemara, Mantan who is the one who taught us this? The Tanrabanan. Sorry, how, the do, how does that differ from the Tzaduki uh, 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 view? Well, the Tzaduki hold. I mean, Bishama is saying, if you own it, uh, if, if it's yours, you can't, uh, you can't, uh, you can't have a fire in your house in Shabbos. According to Bishama here, it seems like he agrees with the Tzaduki. So. I hear the kasha. It's a very good kasha, meaning it's practical. The only way to go outcome of Beishama. First of all, let's say a person doesn't want to be mafkir their dishes. The the first question is, how is it it even legitimate? How is it even legitimate? I'm not worried about that. Okay. Mafkir something. He's saying, okay, fine. So you could say it's not yours. He gives you an escape route. That's fine. But lechatchila, meaning the regular, usual way, if I own my stuff, which is the usual way people own their stuff, right? So yeah. what he's saying oh, is... Actually, in America, it's usually belongs okay. to the credit card. In America, usually belongs to the credit right. card company, but right. eventually it's... Or in right. China, belongs to the government, whatever. Right. right. But let's assume in a free society, which if, if one were to exist, we own our stuff, right? So according to Beishana, what we're hearing here is that there is no such thing as having a fire going on Shabbos. It, it's, it's a Pella, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a Pella of a Teretz, right? It's, Take uh, Practically speaking, it's hard to understand. Meaning, there is a, a, a hypothet- there is a hypothetical case that if you were to be mafkir your items, correct, still have a fire burning in your house. Whereas according to tzedakim, you would be over just by that. Even if, I mean, once you made it hefker, so then even according to tzedakim, you'd be potter. Fine, okay, fire. I hear that's you. But again, house. that's that's your that's your fire escape. That's not your, no pun intended. That's your fire escape. But I'm yeah. saying that's it, but, but a regular case. A guy owns his stuff. It's a pella. It's a pella. I, I don't know what to okay. say. It's a... Uh, Shammai didn't need chalm. Yeah, it's, it's a very good kasha. You have a great kasha. It, 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 this is l'chaira. I'll, I'll just say, that it seems like it's a very doichik answer when the Gemara says that the Shammai, we don't understand. The Gemara asked a very big question. 
According to Beishamai, that there's an Isser of Shavisa's Caleb, that your dishes are not allowed to perform any act for you, such as grinding on Shabbos. So what's the difference between a grindstone, which is grinding up flour on Shabbos, and, uh, and uh, an oven and a, a shput or a tisserie that's still burning stuff over Shabbos? They're both performing an act for you. So you want to tell me that by gophers and by, by, by sulfur, for, which is being used to create silver, or by mugmar, where you're creating a scent for clothing. There's no keli, there's no dish there. It's just coals lying on the ground. It's just some sort of perfume lying on the ground. Therefore, it's ownerless. That's your hetter. It's then only cases, according to this shaman, where you don't own any vessel. It's mutter to cook on Shabbos or to, ha- to have something burning in your house on Shabbos. And that's the Gemara's conclusion, according to Bishamai, that it has to be hefker. That's a pella. Um, because it means that, practically speaking, Bishamai's opinion comes out very much like the Sudukim. But according to Bishillah, we don't have a problem. Bishillah will learn that the reason why it's forbidden is only because of the noise. Things which don't make a commercial sounding noise, we don't have a problem with. But according to Bishamai, Barry, your kasha, it's, it's, it's a pella. So my question, my point is, when the Gemara says that Bishama was only allowed it because you're making it hefter. Here it says, it, Barry, if you read note number four. Yeah, right, I was just Rashi reading Rashi, it, actually. He's got, he's got a good answer from the Rashbach. Yeah, it says, rather, the meaning is that the base then automatically abolishes personal ownership from utensils whose malacha must be done on Shabbos. So they're giving a hetter not only the ownership, but they're saying it automatically, you give up the ownership. Who, who so that's said that's a huge chiddush. Am I the one who thinks that's a huge chiddush? It's a huge chiddush, yeah. but you need some way to explain it. I hear what, what Judah's saying is, is I, 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 you yeah. got to explain it somehow, because the way that we understood it until we just read that makes no sense. Right. You need but some my, way. So what he's saying is that, that the metzias of the item is, is that it becomes ownerless. Okay, it's a, it's a chiddush, but at least it's a it's an explanation of some kind. Right. And it to says me, only if you need yeah. to make it on Shabbos. You know, if you need to use it, it becomes ownerless. So they're given a hectare, so to speak. It, okay. It's, it's a... It's, it says the base is empowered to it, Do we consider this to be a doichik of an answer in Beishama? Is this an answer because we're hard-pressed to understand Beishama, so we have to come up with some sort of an explanation, even if it's difficult to comprehend? Or was the Kamara felt that this is the fantastic answer? That's ultimately, I feel like, the more, and with the Rajvam, for sure, it seems more of a Deichik Teret. Okay, very good. Says the Gemara. By the way, uh, Rabbi Marmerstein, just, it's the Rashba, just in case you're looking it up. The it's Rashba, not the, not the Rashba. Yeah. The Rajba, it's, it, uh, you have to be the Rajba to be able to say that. Right. Uh, says the Gemara, third line down. Who is the author of the following A woman should not fill a pot. I think it applies to a man as well. It's just uh, that's the style of the Brisa of the Tesefta that the person who usually knows what they're doing in the kitchen should not fill a pot with beans and legumes and things which take a long time to soften and cook. Uh, she should not do it right before Shabbos. And if she did do it, and the actual cooking, therefore, took place really on Shabbos, in which you're not allowed to cook raw foods on Shabbos, even if you put it up right before Shabbos, 
You have to wait to eat them even after Shabbos, the amount of time it would take to cook. So if it normally takes 45 minutes to soften up to cook these beans, you have to wait till 45 minutes after Shabbos to eat it. Another example, we see that the Gemara, they already knew how to make bagels. That you cannot fill, the baker cannot fill a vat of water, and put it in the water to heat up right before Shabbos, even though you're not going to be doing an action, uh, but rather your barrel will be heating it up with the fire on Shabbos. And if you did so, you have to wait till the amount of time it takes for a barrel of water to boil after Shabbos before you can consume it. So if somebody cooks something, they did it before Shabbos, but the actual cooking took place on Shabbos, they would have to wait on Shabbos, they would have, uh, after Shabbos to eat it. On Shabbos, they for sure can't eat it. After Shabbos, they would have to wait the, the amount of time it takes to cook before it's permissible. And that way, they don't benefit whatsoever from the action that they did, which was forbidden, uh, that occurred on Shabbos. So who is the author? Whose opinion is this Brysa like? says, We don't actually want to hold like those Chumas. And therefore, it's very easy to say that the only restriction that's put in place over here is according to Beishamah, who says that you cannot do any action on Shabbos. According to Beishelal, this would be permissible. Says the Gemara, Even Beishel would agree that these actions were forbidden. To place raw food right before Shabbos in onto a fire that will be cooking on Shabbos, where you may want to speed up and hasten the pace of the cooking, and therefore you'll stoke the coals on Shabbos. <speaking in Hebrew> that gezeira will forbid you from doing these actions as well, and for, therefore the b'risa is even in accordance with the opinion of Beisela. Says the Gemara, Ihachi nami wouldn't I be concerned then as well if I put clothing on top of coals for the perfume, for the incense, or silver on top of sulfur for the design, then maybe I'll stoke the fire to make it increase? says, If you were to mess around with the fire, you would actually be removing some of the smoke, some of the heat, and therefore we're not worried that you're coming to... Uh, Rashes that actually you're going to blacken the clothing from stoking the coals. And therefore, we're not worried that you're going to try and intervene and with the fire. But by cooking, you may try and stoke the coals to make the fire perform better, in which case you'll be creating a fire on Shabbos. So there's a rabbinical decree of Shami Yechata that forbids you from carrying out, from making uh, fire right before Shabbos and putting beans or a baker from putting up a barrel of water right before Shabbos. Says the Gemara, wouldn't I be afraid by placing sheaves of flax into a dryer, into an oven on Shabbos, right before Shabbos to dry, that I'll come to stoke the coals to make it dry faster? Says the Gemara, you in fact would not open the oven as the smoke from your actions of stoking the fire would ruin the flax. Says Gemara, what about wool into the vats that they would put it in 
into the also into a pot. Says Gemara, Amar Shmuel Akura. You wouldn't do that either because that case which we permitted it was talking about uh, 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 where it was directly on the fire, and if you'll mess around with it, it will ruin the wall. Um, the but if the if the pot was actually on the fire, you would have that concern. But here we're talking about where you already removed the pot and you're not looking to create any additional heat. says the Gemara. But what happens if you mix up the pot and therefore magus or to be to to mix something is also a way of increasing the heat, which would be forbidden on Shabbos from cooking. Uh, or from making a fire, says the Gemara. Says the Gemara, Bakura Vitaicha. You're right. It's only permissible if the pot that's removed from the fire, it's not directly on the fire, is also sealed with clay. And once you seal it with clay to insulate the wool, therefore we don't have any worry anymore that you're going to mix it. So it turns out the actual differences between Beishamah and Beis Hillel. Since Beishamah has so many, Beis Hillel has so many other concerns, rabbinically speaking, that maybe you'll come to cook, stoke flames, increase fire, mix things, etc., which would all lead to either a prohibition of cooking or making a fire on Shabbos. So it turns out there's many areas where you're also forbidden from creating a fire before Shabbos and cooking on Shabbos. However, it's not a deraisa. And it doesn't apply as a blank, blanket rule. There has to be a reason for the ex, an explanation for the takana. Says the Gemara of Now that you're telling me that we do have this concept on Shabbos of being worried about stoking cold, I should allow me to put a raw pot on Friday afternoon, right before Shabbos where there's raw meat inside the pot, into the oven, mamish right before Shabbos, knowing that it's going to be consumed on Shabbos after becoming fully cooked on Shabbos. My time, I why should I allow that? Since no matter how much I stoke, if you put a piece of raw meat inside a pot, when it's right before Shabbos, and uh, and you leave it there, you, there's no way for it to cook, even if you stoke those coals all night. It will not speed up the cooking to be ready right away for the Friday night meal. Therefore, it should be permissible because I'm taking my mind off that option of stoking the coals to make it ready for Friday night. Says the Gemara, it's no way to make it cook. Bishop Lai Bishop Aser, and that the Gemara says, yes, that is correct. If you had something, however, Bishop Lai Bishop Aser, the same same thing is true if it's completely cooked as well. I'm not I'm, I'm not worried uh, either if it's completely cooked, and I leave it on the fire on Shabbos. I don't care that it gets more co- even more cooked. 
I'm not going to come and stoke the coals. The only shaila we have is bishol v'loy bishol aser. If it was cooked, but not sufficiently cooked, where, in fact, if you turned it up for 10 minutes on a higher heat, you would enjoy it more that Friday night. That's the case where we said it's forbidden, because maybe shemi yechata. However, even that case, so let's say you have a challenge that's cooking, and it comes Friday, and so you know what, Friday night, sometimes we like to taste from the challenge. After people come back from learning, they want to have a little... Uh, to see how it's doing and just Friday night that became the minute so we wanted to I want to make sure that the chalent will be well done enough Friday night to, to be eaten already even though it won't be as cooked as tomorrow and therefore you may be tempted to turn up the fire on Shabbos in that case that type of chalent which is not fully cooked and not fully raw right before Shabbos you would not be allowed to cook on Shabbos Shameless promotion at the shtibel every Friday night during the winter time. If one wants, one can come to the shtibel and learn. There is chalent afterwards, and so it's cooked properly to... before Shabbos. Oh, so how do they make According it happen? According to Beis and Beisel, both. So how do they make it happen? Says the Gemara, <laughs> but if you throw in a raw bone right before Shabbos, even if it was not like the shtibel's chalent, even if uh, you didn't have such a dedicated person like Daniel Stahl to put up the chalent on time, but you, have, uh, you put it up uh, a little late, but you can still save your challenge. You won't have a problem where the rabbi comes in and unplugs it and says, this is a problem, according to the Gemara and Shabbos, because you put in a raw bone right before it cooks. Ah, so it says the Gemara, even according to, we, we, we want to know who the author is, of this brisa, is this even according to Beis Hillel, or this is only according to Beis Shammai? If you tell me that any time, where by stoking the coals you'll be opening up the fire, and in fact where you'll you'll damage the food that's cooking, the brisa continues. Hi bisra the gedia, the basar, the meat of a kid. Of a of a baby goat, the sharik shaper dummy, uh, or if it's the, the oven is completely sealed up with clay, we're not worried that you're going to come to adjust it since you don't want extra smoke or you can't access it. So if you put a blech on, if you cover up the fire that it's not accessible, it should be mutter. Says the Gemara, hi bishul uh Again, that anything which the smoke is harmful and won't come to uncovered. You can cook meat of a kid goat without worrying. If it's meat of a barcha of a of a ram, uh, that would be tougher meat, uh, I guess. Uh, Rashi says, Ayol Gadol, a large ram, where the smoke doesn't affect it, but it takes a long time to cook. Uh, now, what about uh, if you're cooking a, 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 a gedi, a kid goats, which and the oven's not sealed, or the barch of a sharik, the oven is sealed, but we're talking about uh, thick meat, like a large goat's meat, 
Rav Ashi Shari, Rav Ashi said it's permissible, Rav Yermiyam Difti Aser. So Machlech is Rav Ashi and Rav in those two cases. If you only have one leniency and not both, says the Gemara, Ula Rav Ashi, the Shari, according to Rav Ashi, that says it's permissible, of Tanya, did we not learn the Brisa? Ain't Soylem Basar, but Salu Beitza, Elakadeshi Soylem Bayayim, that you can't roast meat or cook an onion or an egg unless there's enough time for it to cook early before Shabbos begins. Says the Gemara, Asin the Barcha Velay Sharik, Ik Velay Sharik. The only case that we said that it's, uh, that we said that it's, that Ravashi said that it's permissible. Is if it's talking where it's not sealed, is talking about uh, the meat of a ram, where it takes, uh, where, where even though it takes a long time to cook, still you have an open fire, and therefore we said it is forbidden. But other cases, we would tell you that it is, uh, uh, other cases, the Brysa is talking about um, that Ain Tsailin is talking about either where it's sealed. Uh, the Bryce is talking about where it would be sealed. Ikada Amri, another interpretation. The Kadiya bain Sarak bain Loisarak Shapadami. A kid goat doesn't matter because that it's permissible whether the oven is sealed or not. The Barchanami Visharak Shapadami. Barcha by a goat, by a large ox, a large, a large ram, we don't either argue. Ki pligi, where do we argue? The barcha balasharak by a ram which is not sealed. Ravashi Shari, Ravashi permits Ravir Mudifti Asar. Ravashi Shari says, it's just a repetition, but with a different take. We learned in the Braisa, and Tsailam Basar, Vatanya, and Tsailam Basar, Beit Alkneshi Tsailam Didn't we learn that it's forbidden? It says, Hasam Babisha Gumri. Over there, we're talking about a different case. Over there, we're talking about uh, where the meat is directly on the the meat is directly on the coals, and therefore it's forbidden. Amravina high chia shaper dami. Keeping the kasha zikra kabisha degdia dami says. Ravina says that in fact, uh, if you took a raw uh, kara, kara we have a shoshana. Kara is a is some sort of a vegetable that's very tough, a gourd, uh, and you put it on the fire. We say that's like considered. Uh, and therefore you were not worried that you're going to stoke the fire as it will damage the taste and therefore it's mutter. Says the Gemara says you cannot sell. I think we're going to leave that for tomorrow um, as it's still a, a long piece. Okay. Yashakayach.